you come from nothing and just get the shit beat out of you for a long time and you find some way out of that. Hello. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, founder and podcast producer at Max Podcasting, and you can reach me at max at maxpodcasting.com to save time with your high-quality podcast. This is episode 153, and today's guest is Dan the Man. That's not what he goes by, but Dan Bennett. Dan is the antipreneur, which you will find out what that means, and he's also the founder of One Minute Media. He is a wizard, genius, whatever word you want to use for all sorts of things, video, podcasting, really storytelling from the digital marketing standpoint, and he teaches small business owners to do things in a really simple and easy way. I'm talking even recording video with something as simple as a smartphone. He is an awesome dude. In this interview, we talked his storytelling and production tips to make it easier, to make it simple, what he's learned along the way from working with major clients like Harley-Davidson, Anheuser-Busch, and many more. And as always, as with Dan, he gets extra candid and extra genuine to share his story bouncing back from one of the toughest experiences he's ever had. It is Dan, Danny B. Bennett. That's a new nickname for you, Dan. Once again, two new nicknames. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Dan Bennett, the antipreneur, one-man band, one-minute media. I did, you're not a one-man band, really, but it kind of sounds good. So, <laughs> man behind one-minute media uh, and many, many more cool things over the years. Dan Great to speak with you always. Thanks for joining. How are you doing today? Hey, Max, my brother. I, good, man. I, you caught me on a good day. My brain's working well. I'm excited to uh, do this show with you. I'm in a good mood, so yeah. Perfect. Any Anytime the brain is working well, that's a plus uh, for this show. Probably by the end of it, it won't be working quite as well. But uh, this is really cool. Shout out our, our mutual buddy, mutual client, mutual collaborator, Ryan Foland, who uh, we've both partnered with many times over the years. And uh, I think he's the one that kind of connected us in the first place. And the amount I've learned from you about all things video and entrepreneurship and antipreneurship and lots and lots we'll get to is just crazy. So shout out Ryan for kind of connecting us in the first place. Yeah. Shout out Ryan. 313. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little 313 cameo. We're, we're going to get into your journey. Lots and lots of positives, but also some dark places as well. So I really want to just get into it. Middle of 2020, you pretty much were were smacked in the mouth uh, financially, about as hard as you can get smacked in the mouth. You mind taking us through what happened and kind of your outlook as you were, I guess, as many people would say, down in the dumps. But obviously, you've come a long way. Yeah, yeah, it, it felt like it. I, I kind of liken it to being on a ship that got wrecked at sea, and I was kind of floating on a, a piece of scrap wood there for a minute. Uh, so I didn't drown all the way, but man, it was close. Yeah, it was real. I grew up with nothing. I come from nothing. And it was kind of a return to nothing. So it was very visceral and un unfortunately familiar <laughs> territory at the time. Uh, I lovingly call it now the great Band-Aid rip of 2020 because it all happened very quickly. 
but in the moment, I actually found myself a little irritated at how many people in my camp were like, it's okay. You know, you're really resilient. You'll, you'll make it through. And I heard the word resilient so many times that I started to kind of resent some of my friends a little bit like, shut up. I don't want to hear that. Like, when does resiliency turn into stupidity? Because maybe you shouldn't get back up right now. Maybe you should stay down and let a couple punches miss your face. <laughs> so Resenting the resiliency. That's just <laughs> talk about a mouthful. And I know you're coming from though. My next book, <laughs> I I definitely kind of uh, cursed the cosmos for a minute and thought, man, a small business owner and a landlord are two of the worst things that you could be uh, during that initial shutdown from COVID. So as everything was kind of shutting down, we stopped a business conference that was going to be a pretty decent payday amongst all the other incredible things it was going to be. Uh, luckily, we had only sold a few tickets, so we were able to do some refunds and maneuver some things and shut that down. Ended up having to close the business by about mid-year. Uh, separate from that, personal bankruptcy didn't have anything to do with the business, but it did have to do with the environment and the time. And then all of my tenants quit paying rent, even though they weren't negatively impacted by COVID financially. They just kind of banded together and like, hey, let's stop paying because he can't kick us out because Michigan won't let him. And it was about an eight-day period. We had the first three days after shutdown where we're like, okay, what are we going to do? We got some free time on our hands. And those first three days all of our current ongoing monthly retainer work disappeared. The good part in retrospect is that we didn't know anyone any work and they didn't know us any money because it was ongoing work and we were like either in the middle or at the end of a cycle with everyone. Uh, so that was good, no legalities, no crazy stuff. We just let everyone go. Um, and that was right around uh, 60 to $70,000 mark into the future. And then there was like a two day calm of the storm so we launched what we call the one minute media initiative where we went around to essential businesses and shot videos for free to help them like get the word out about how they were going to continue trying to do curbside service and stuff like that for restaurants. So some good came of that. And then the next three days to cap off this eight day period, about $80,000, $90,000 worth of outstanding proposals all came in dry. So it was a, for a small company, it was, it was like $150,000 swing in about a one week period. And it was like, wow. <laughs> and now I say lovingly call it the great band-aid rip because I'm glad it happened so fast. In retrospect, watching a lot of other small businesses slowly bleed over the next six to 12 months was has been really tough. So I'm, I'm really, really thankful that it happened quick and we can make an adjustment and, and start something new. And I'm terribly sorry for, for being one of your tenants and just not paying you rent on time. That was really rude of me. But You got caught up. It's okay. Yeah, there's a lot going on. No, that's it's almost from like a TV show or a movie or something. It's like Ozark or Breaking Bad where the main character just all of a sudden has so many bad things happen to him back to back. Don't punch me uh, virtually, but you were incredibly resilient, obviously. Uh, it's really inspiring to want to, to hear all that and also knowing that you were kind of so transparent about everything. And I think what has been so cool uh, over the past year as, we've, as we're recording this is that you're very open and transparent and just genuine about kind of your journey building back from that. I know we kind of started YouTube like from scratch or a new approach to that, which is going really, really well. Uh, new business is going well. It's like a lot of exciting things going on. So it's really exciting to see you build back up. Still kind of in that early time frame, you went on kind of a a wilderness retreat. <laughs> yeah. When you were control alt deleting your life. What was that time like for you? It was incredible. And especially again, in retrospect, because everything's about perception, right? And we get three different angles of everything. Sometimes you see stuff coming, sometimes you're in it, sometimes you're looking back on it. I actually came home, my partner, Jax, she's a, a chef and she lost everything at the same time because her industry shut too. So we were just kind of both sitting on the couch looking at each other like, huh, 
uh, wonder what's next. And a couple days into that, I still had my office space because it was prepaid for the month. So I had about three weeks of just being in this like empty office and I kept going because I had paid for it. So fast internet, I, I still showed up. I was just kind of thinking of like, what's next? What's next? And I came home one night and I'm like, you know what? I, I need to just like get away. I know that sounds weird right now. Plus there's no money, but like I need to get away. And without me knowing, she actually got on uh, outdoorsy.com, which is like Airbnb for travel trailers and, and stuff like that and pop up. I think you just made that site up. It just outdoorsy <laughs> you know. sounds like it, but it's pretty clear what it's about. <laughs> I'd never heard of it either. And she found it somehow. Yeah. She found me this just like adorable little pop-up trailer that this young couple rents out part of the time. I pulled it behind our little SUV and I was like, wow, this is super cool. It's super thoughtful of her to like book it for me. Like I said, we didn't have any money at the time. So she was using a credit card that probably shouldn't have been used. Then I'm like, whoa, where am I going to go? And literally, I love telling this part of the story. A friend of mine who used to be a business colleague, I used to run the art department at his apparel printing company. Uh, accidentally bought a campground and very literally was after the building and the land, but it came as like a 15 year shutdown campground. And I was just as a friend opening up about the same topic with him. And he's like, Oh, just take your trailer to the campground. I'm like what? He's like, yeah, my campground. I'm like, Oh man, I totally forgot that you actually had like sites on that property. And he's like, yeah, the bathroom works. A couple of them have electricity. Just go. And it was super cool, man. He was, he's right next to state land that anyone can go on. And it's really untouched kind of up North Michigan. And I got placed to myself because it wasn't an open and running campground. Got to sit on a lake that was private. I got to walk state land that's just full of animals and wilderness and uh, just disappear for a little while. It was pretty incredible. All I took was a whiteboard, one book, and an old iPad full of documentaries and no agenda and just went. If I had a nickel for every time I accidentally bought a campground, that <laughs> it would be off the charts. I think that's a really, really unique and, you know, for some people it can be life-changing just to have kind of a totally unplug and retreat like that. It can be cliche, but if you actually experience it yourself, especially in, given the kind of the life circumstances that you were going through, there's lots and lots of positives and a much needed refresh. What would you say is the most impactful thing that came out of that accidental campground residence stay? Yeah. Uh, I left with a batch of what I call personal epiphanies. They're not groundbreaking for the average person, but they changed my life. And at the top of that list was this really interesting thing that happened. And hopefully someone can relate. Half the time, people just look at me like I'm crazy. But it was put yourself out there more. And I have this thing being former engineer plus a creative person where my left and right brain both kind of act independently. It, my creative brain, you know, was like, put yourself out there more. And my, my, more logical brain was like, what? I was in a band that toured. I've given talks at conferences all over the United States. I put video content out all the time. What do you mean put yourself out there more? For an introvert, I'm out everywhere, you know? And it just ended up as a note in a journal. And then in September last year, as I was going back through those notes, I kind of took September just off, didn't do any work, turned down some work, which was really tough because I needed the money at the time. But I let every crazy idea happen and threw everything at the wall to see what would stick as I was kind of starting over. And I came across that note and I'm like, okay, one side of my brain's like, put yourself out there more. The other one's like, what does that mean? And then me as an observer, <laughs> I'm like, okay, guys, let's figure this out. Cause we wrote it down for some reason. And then it just kind of hit me all at once that for me, it just meant take advantage of opportunities that you normally wouldn't. 
And that sounds so simple, but for me, it was like earth shattering. I could probably tell you 20 to 30 different stories now that started with that seed of just taking advantage of things that normally wouldn't. You know, one of those things is this awesome entrepreneurial group I'm in called the Underdogs. It's a Slack group. Entrepreneur by the name of Noah Kagan has a YouTube channel. I saw a video randomly, had no idea who he was. My putting myself way out there was subscribing to his channel because I don't subscribe to channels. YouTube does such a good job of giving me what I'm looking for. I just don't sub. I just go back and watch what I want. And so just simple things like that led to me being on his open office hour shows and getting roasted and then getting hired and then getting thrown in this group and making all these incredible friends. And I could, like I said, I could tell 20 or 30 stories of what's happened since all from just taking advantage of something I normally wouldn't. And it was as simple as a click in, in that instance. So that was the biggest one. Let's get you out of the woods, as you say, get to really kind of your personal brand. Some would call it a movement as well. Antipreneur, hashtag antipreneur. Antipreneur, it's a very cool word, lifestyle, tattoo on my upper back. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> uh, something that you invented and really kind of live by. And I think it's a, it's a very clear distinction from kind of what has become as some people see like if you see entrepreneurs on Instagram surrounded by like Lambos and Ferraris like that, it's like a very, very different background of that. What is your official definition of an antipreneur? Yeah. Anytime I'm like recorded or it's written, I always start by saying, let's start with what uh, the antipreneur is not. <laughs> and it's the, it's it's not, the anti-antipreneur. <laughs> right. Uh, it's not anti-entrepreneurship. It's not any of those things. And I love that you brought up the Lambos and stuff because it, it, it literally was, I was just making a piece of video content back in late 2017. And I was talking about how it used to be that when you said entrepreneur, someone would look at you like they felt sorry for you and be like, oh, you don't have a job, do you? And then it became... I would tell someone I'm an entrepreneur and they're like, oh, me too. And I'd be like, what do you do? And they're like, well, I got a thousand followers on Instagram. And I'm like, but, but what do you do, you know, with those followers or whatever? <laughs> I, I get followed by people. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. And and not to knock influencers or those business models. It was just one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if all these people saying entrepreneur are, and it bothered me that all these trendy things were happening. So in a video, very accidentally, I was like, forget entrepreneur. I'm an antipreneur. And my audience just liked it and it kind of stuck. Um, and then later on when I started my podcast, I'm like, well, we're just going to call it the Antipreneur Show because I, I'm lazy. <laughs> and then when it came time to make you know, a business conference, we wanted to do it different than all the other conferences. So it was the Antipreneur Exchange. I wanted people to come together and exchange ideas. So it's always just been this kind of like pushback against the status quo, rock and roll type of vibe, which what I have found is no matter how straight laced any entrepreneur is, almost all business folk have at least a small part of them that just wants to rebel a little. And that's my favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah. I got really excited when you said the word rebel. <laughs> Are there some like key principles to live by as an antipreneur? I think just, um, I mean, some of the stuff's cliche. I joke all the time that half my career is making cliches matter again, because they're important. They get watered down by being repeated so much that it's a bummer. It's like the word awesome. You hear it too much and nothing is awesome awesome anymore. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I edited out 14 awesomes. <laughs> so it, it's very much, you know, like be yourself so hard that no one else can touch it. And I know be yourself is cliche, but I mean it like think to yourself, what would I do? And then do it. Even if it's a little weird, do you think someone might make funny or whatever, or it's a little bold, 
Um, so kind of living by that, like, you know, pushing back against the status quo or crushing the status quo. The other part to keep some reins on that horse is what I call my 180 approach, which is like, look at what everyone else is doing and go 180 degrees in the other direction and then only back it off as you have to. You don't want to offend. You don't want to be too crazy. Maybe your budget limits you from doing some crazy idea you had. Back it off only as much as you have to. But then once you're there, you're still way away from what everyone else is doing. And that's kind of my favorite part of the whole thing. On that note, One Minute Media is a very intriguing name just in itself. Because when you think about media, you think long form, things like that, like podcasts and videos and things that can be repurposed, things like that. But then you have one minute in there, which is like, wait a second, are you saying this is something that can be like quick or easy in a nutshell in one minute or less? I'm timing you ready, go. <laughs> what is one minute media or the, the idea behind it? One minute media was definitely like an anti-preneur type thing. Uh, so in real life, I was working with really big brands that you and your audience would recognize the name of names of. And they had budgets and they're fun. And I love telling those stories, but I was left unfulfilled a lot of times by that work. And then being from Flint, Michigan, scrappy little micro business, a lot of small businesses there. I was always kind of bummed out that a lot of those businesses couldn't afford my services. And I'm like, how do I bridge that gap? And the solution that ended up happening was helping people get the right camera and mic gear into their like home office or an office in their brick and mortar, get them to the point where they could just get in front of a camera, get comfortable and then hit record. And maybe I'd help them edit. Maybe they learn to edit on their own, that sort of thing, and just get those tools into their hands and save them thousands of dollars while doing so, but still make a living doing it. So bridging that gap, that chasm, unfortunately, between small business and large business and the budgets that the big guys have is kind of where it started. And then during lockdown, the pivot became making one minute media digital so people could take the coursework, learn how to do all these things to film themselves in a professional manner. And then also go into a private group where they have help, ongoing access to me, uh, discounted editing rates from professionals like myself. So if they do need help, they can get it and not break the bank. And it kind of all started as an entrepreneur type idea of like, okay, how do we do this in a way that like keeps it real for everyone and makes it approachable? Um, and that I can talk about on Max's show later and not do it in 60 seconds at all. <laughs> exactly. That was 63. That's a really, really cool ballpark that you found yourself in because there, I mean, you and I, we work with a lot of clients in the podcasting space, in the content, contenting space, in the content space, who eventually spend so much time creating content. But a lot of these clients, if it's their first time creating a podcast or first time creating a video series, something like that, it's often very, very intimidating. Like even for, you know, those business leaders that you would expect just to kind of have these things down with the snap of the finger, it's a big jump or a big chasm just to, you know, keep that word going. What you've done and what you're creating with One Minute Media is pretty mind-blowing because it just kind of makes things easy. It makes things simple. And I think that's a lifesaver for so many small business owners. What are some tips that you have especially on like the video side of things, because I'm, I'm always blown away by the quality of your, your video products, productions. What are some, some tips on getting started with video that just make that mountain more of a molehill? Yeah, well, one of the first things I noticed when building out the digital components of One Minute Media is that the only thing really, the only things really out there in like a, I could find it, buy it and consume it type digital format were all, video courses and products for videographers 
And one of my taglines is like, we're not trying to turn you into professional videographers. We're just trying to empower you to create great video. So we're going to give you the tools, but you don't need to know all the jargon, the lingo and the film industry. And so I felt like I was filling a gap there because you could find stuff on how to make better videos or how to shoot a YouTube video, but it was always kind of geared at videographers. So identifying that, um, I really wanted to make it as easy as possible. So even in the 15, you know, video course that we have, there's, I don't think there's a single video over five and a half minutes. So it's not these long lectures in theory. It's like, here's how to do a thing, do it quick onto the next, because a lot of times it is just as simple as, you know, consulting with someone, getting the right gear in their hands and then just helping them set it up and test it. And it really is that easy most of the time. The other thing I'll say, and this does come from the film industry, but it translates directly is audio is king. And I know you know what I'm talking about. I second that. I third that, I fourth that. Grand slam, keep it going. You know, it's cliche, but again, got to make those things important. If a video looks terrible, but I can hear it, I'm going to stay with it, If especially if it's a great story. If I can't hear it and it's gorgeous, I don't care, I'm out. Especially in the world of podcasting. Uh, man, I'm, I'm getting more and more snobby as I go, man. If I hear a terrible podcast, it's hard to stay in there with someone, even if the story's okay, because it's like, oh, I got a, I got my car turned up to max and I can barely hear it. And just like, eh. so audio is king, really cheap microphones go a long way. They do. I'm a big fan of the ATR 2100X. It's a USB mic. So I use it with my laptop, but it also works as an XLR mic as well. They raised prices on it within the last year, but it's still technically under $100. So it's like really, really good bang for the buck for under 100 bucks. You can get a lot of great ones. I know you've done a review for one that's like $30 or somewhere around there recently. Like there's some really good stuff that you can get without, you know, shelling out like thousands for gear like that. As more and more and millions and millions of podcasts get launched, there's going to be a greater and greater variety in terms of quality. And those that don't have the quality, are just not going to be able to maintain that audience unless their content is like off the charts, best thing ever, but you get, that's just not sustainable. That quality makes such a big difference. Going back to kind of the personal brand note, quality from a podcast standpoint, from a video standpoint, that reflects back a hundred percent on your personal brand. So if you're putting out really, really shitty videos or really, really shitty podcasts, people aren't going to, the first thing that pops in their head is not going to be like, wow, this person's awesome. They really know their stuff. I would love to work with them. It's huge. Like, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I've been on this kick lately of like looking at spectrums that have two ends. So I have my clients a lot of times and they're like, hey, Dan, what do you think about either A or B? And I just say yes. And they hate that because I believe in duality and I believe in multiple things being able to exist at the same time. And I've been calling it lately kind of my like cocktail effect. Just ship it better done than perfect. Get it out but it's garbage. No, that's one end of the spectrum all the way. Polish it, polish it forever, never release it. That's terrible too. That's the other. So if you think of like a, a screwdriver, you got some orange juice, you got some vodka, everyone's got a different mix that they like, but it's going to be somewhere in the middle. So you want that really good quality and polish, but you also want to ship the product, find that balance, but don't skimp on the quality. It does matter. And it's what's kind of led to people entering. I, I feel like I was five years ahead of everyone. I've been on Zoom and doing like, you know, video conferencing and all this stuff for so long. And now everyone is like, hey, Dan, you do that story and video stuff. Can you help me look and sound good on video conference calls? And it's like, welcome. I've been waiting. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Welcome yeah, in, in a non-creepy voice. Come into my right. <laughs> <laughs> What about on the, so if you're the mixologist of, of quality content, uh, you're the same thing for the production side, editing side as well. And for me, like I know how to edit audio podcasts very, very well by now, 
but video is like a whole other animal and you are like an absolute machine when it comes to video and I know you've spent many many hours over the years uh, doing so and kind of becoming pristine with that this is a golden question everybody always wants to know but what are some tips you have for getting just a little bit quicker more efficient with your video editing um it's what in the film industry we call shoot for the edit even though I've never been a full-blown production company because that was never my desire, I've still always had professional level um, video production quality when I do film. Now it's been a long time. I was actually, I was, I had a full production yesterday where I was actually on site and filming. But before that, it's been about eight or nine months since I've done an in-person production. It's really a different, you know, kind of animal. But when you're thinking about like getting better, getting quicker, Shooting for the edit means I know I have to edit this. So what's going to make that job easier down the road? And that might be you take 30 minutes before you film and you shut off the phone, you shut down the calendar, you chill and breathe, listen to music you like, and it just puts you in a different headspace. Or I know I generally do two or three good takes and I stop when I love one. So when I look at my edit, I always know the last take is the one I want so I can cut the first one or two out. And that's shooting for the edit. I'm doing it in a way where I know I can just jump in there and edit quicker later. Uh, and I think the other thing, it's a little bit more mindset, but like go easy on yourself. <laughs> if I made a blooper reel of all my cussing that no one ever sees because something went wrong, it would be a couple hours long, you know? So like <laughs> I've been doing this forever and I still mess up. So take it easy on yourself. Know that it's a process. Shoot for the edit. Yeah. Think about what you're going to have to do later and try and make it easy on yourself before you shoot. Do you find this? I feel like, on the cussing note, an interview like this, especially when it's like someone like you who you like know or have a previous relationship with, like is very natural and it's it's more of just a conversation and just like talking to a buddy. When it comes to recording like the separate intro or the separate outro after the fact, I find that so much harder. And it's like I, te- I I've gotten to the point that I just I do kind of like a dummy take where I start recording and I just know I'm going to mess up or it's going to be really shitty the first take. So I just like throw that out the window. <laughs> How was the uh, putting on the finishing touches angle for you? Uh, I've learned to have fun with it over time, but it definitely didn't start there by any means. One of my favorite parts about like being able to go back and do an intro to a podcast episode or a video that's already been shot is that you know what happened. So now your personality can come through. I'm a huge like uh, one of the reasons, one of the many, but one of the reasons I love you so much. I'm a huge dad joke, dry humor type of dude, right? So what what does that have to do with me? (laughs) Nothing. I'm sorry. I've never been more offended in my life. I I know going into something after it's complete that I can say, hey, this episode was great. I had Max on the show. We talked about podcasting. We talked about digital marketing, some snafu with pancakes and getting sticky syrup. I don't know. You're going to have to stick around to hear about it. <laughs> you get to know that that happened because you already shot. So you can point out and kind of build story and intrigue and all the fun things I love about story development. Uh, so that's one way where I'm like, okay, I'm going to have fun with it and not take it so serious. And then what I find out is you just become more and more relatable over time. The less and less serious you take something, you can still rely on your skill set and make it professional, but you don't have to take it so serious. So, which is why I love, I love your show. I love being on your show. I loved having you on my show because it's like, it's a good time, man. Like we're not really working. I don't think. Well, it's very stressful. I mean, very nervous, but (laughs) no, no, this, it's always a blast and yeah, really appreciate it. Always a great time. Yeah. It's, I think that's a good approach to whatever you're doing is if it can feel more like fun, it feels less like work. If you don't have that feeling like you're just pushing a ball uphill, then it's going to go better for you. So 
uh, in the other aspect, and this is what you've done through kind of entrepreneur and, uh, and, and especially since kind of your reset that, that we were talking about earlier is you've really, really let your personality and just who you are come through and shine. And it, and no matter what way you slice it, that resonates with people comes through your business. It comes through whatever you're doing. It comes through your syrup and pancake analogies. The list goes on and on. (laughs) And when you look back at kind of your journey out of the woods, your kind of re-emphasis on, on building through YouTube with one minute media, your transition to digital, what tactic has been the most helpful overall in terms of winning back clients and getting people to kind of join your tribe just to be cliche in this time frame? I actually have a very direct answer to this and I might not have had a direct answer eight months ago. One of the things that I have added to my basket of things I'm willing to give advice on, right? So if we're talking about filmmaking, if we're talking about audio, if we're talking about content creation, I feel really strongly about giving advice and feeling good about the advice I give. Outside of that, even business development and things, I don't give advice, I try and provoke thought but I don't have all that stuff figured out so well, so I don't give advice on it. Something new to my basket of giving advice to people is talking about what you're trying to accomplish. And I don't know why that was never on my radar, but it was one of the things that you know made it into my personal epiphanies coming out of the forest. It was just letting everyone know what's going on. So the first thing I did was pull about 30 people off my email list who, are, uh, who were closer to me, former clients I became friends with, colleagues, a little bit of friends and family, other creatives, stuff like that. And I said, hey, I lost everything. I'm starting over. This is what's going on. I don't want anything for free, but I'm going to ask you all to keep me top of mind as I rebuild. And because I don't want anything for free, I want you to know, you know, my skill set. If I can help you get a quick win, please let me know how, because I will help you. And I started leading with help and just telling people what I was trying to do. The response was so overwhelming and incredible that I used that same list again. I'm like, hey, engagement was incredible. You guys really care and touch my heart. I got a question. Who wants to answer it? If someone was to ask you, what's Dan's superpower, what would you say? I expected some people to say story, video, you know, stuff like that. Overwhelmingly, um, over a third of the people said some version of you make me feel calm. Your, your content makes me chill. It makes me feel like I can really do it and it doesn't have to be stressful. When you interviewed me, you made me feel so at home that I opened up. There was just some version of the, and I had never heard that in my life. I'd never heard that there was this thing that was happening that made people feel comfortable and open up and tell great stories. And I was like, wow, I've had my eyes open to that. So now I kind of like encourage other people and give it as advice now to just tell your folks, your audience, your literal folks, maybe your parents, uh, friends and family, anyone who's rooting for you, what you're trying to accomplish, even if you just started or don't even know if you can pull it off and watch the crazy stuff that happens because people are aware of what you're trying to do. And humans naturally are very helpful, but especially entrepreneurs, we just love helping people and getting wins. Where I ended up with all that is no matter what you're doing, talk about it, be open about it, talk about it and watch what happens. That is a fantastic point because you do have maybe the most calming, comforting voice of all time. So it always amazes me when it's like something that is such a a great differentiator for you, but like you're so what do they say? Can't see the forest from the trees. I guess it's yeah. extra relevant. Yeah. It's something that is like you, but you don't even realize that it sometimes takes other people to to explain it to you. So that approach you did has obviously worked really well. Uh, I remember like at the early, early, earliest days of Max podcasting, reaching out to people in my network and past podcast guests and just kind of being genuine. 
has turned out to drive so many referrals and clients and new relationships. And that approach just works really, really well. Yeah. And the extra bonus part about it is sometimes you get to create heroes out of those people. So if someone's out there and a friend of theirs is like, man, I want to start a podcast, but I really want to do it the right way. And they're like, hey, talk to Max. And then they put out a banger podcast. Like you just made a hero out of that person. There's nothing like it, man. Great referrals are, are one of my favorite parts of business. And one of my favorite parts of breakfast are pancakes and sticky syrup. See, I worked it in Dan. I got you. You know what else is good? A podcast. A podcast can be really good for your business, for your brand. That was the worst segue of all time. Maybe fourth, fifth worst, if you if you look at, back at previous episodes. But if you want a podcast for your business, for your brand, but you don't want to get stuck, see, can't resist, spending all the time it takes behind the scenes to bring that podcast to life. And you'd rather focus on other things to grow your business, maybe to grow your personal brand. Email me at max at maxpodcasting.com so I will scoop up all of that sticky syrup and uh, add it to my sticky syrup compartment. Email me at max at maxpodcasting.com to save time with your high-quality podcast. Now, to more fan favorites, in addition to pancakes, there's uh, some other topics as well. So let's get to a fan favorite segment called, let's hear Dan say something called, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Called the Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. The Wild Business Shoutout of the Week! Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. This is where we talk about, obviously, the Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. We talk about something creative, something clever from a breakthrough marketing standpoint. Uh, Speaking of really, really cool people and heroes, Carol Eckerly has been doing some really, really cool stuff. You mind sharing what she's been doing, kind of what excites you about it? Yeah, yeah. I, I love Carol. Um, if you go to womanimedia.com, she's actually splashed at the top of our page because she's kind of a alumni poster child, you know, for Women in Media. <laughs> she is an image consultant. So she deals with like really badass female entrepreneurs and they work on, you know, not only the clothing, but presentation and imagery and, you know, people advancing in their careers, all kinds of fun stuff. You know, we worked together, got a rolling with video. Uh, she started just kind of taking off on her own. And often when I get asked about her, I kind of laugh that my favorite one minute media members are the ones that don't pay me money anymore because <laughs> they just went through the whole process and then took off on their own. Um, so it's cool because even though that's the work she does, she's starting to work video into how she works with a client. And it's naturally fitting as an image consultant, you're helping people with their image and she's helping people get on camera with the knowledge that you know, she put together uh, partially from one minute medium working with myself. It's just cool, man. It's like to see someone take, you know, a hammer that you gave them and then go get a bunch of other tools too and build something incredible. And you're just like, wow, she took it all the way, you know? So the image impact group is her uh, company and she does really cool stuff on the regular. She's not only, you know, helping people bring video into their repertoire, but she's also like, Hey, I did it. You can too. Now, me saying that coming from like a film background and all that stuff, it's like, yeah, yeah, of course you did, Dan, whatever. But her saying that you actually can track her zero to on camera to now helping other people journey very easily. And it's cool because now other people can trust that and be like, oh, all right, we'll do video. That sounds cool. So shout out. (laughs) Exactly. Of the business wild variety. I hadn't thought about it that way. It definitely comes across differently if it's like you talking about hey, you can do this versus like somebody actually going out there, like one of your clients actually going out there and doing it. I mean, they become like a walking, like breathing, maybe jumping, jacking 
testimonial for you, like case study for you. So even if you aren't like doing the business with them on the day-to-day today, that's a lot of words in a row. Even if they aren't working with you as closely today, they still can can speak volumes for your business. Sometimes even speak volumes into a video for your business. So that's really cool. You're like a, a proud father or or brother or something. I don't know. (laughs) Some kind of proud family member for sure. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Shout out the proud family. Let's wrap up with some rapid fire Q&A. You ready for it? I'm so ready. So ready. All right. Yeah, we'll see if you say that in a couple minutes. Yeah, I know, right? All right. Let's get wild. You have the background of a musician. You used to be in a band, probably several bands when it went around, kind of had the musician lifestyle. What was your favorite song to cover all time? Probably The Red by Chevelle. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah. yeah. Hard rock song and a little extra bonus piece of uh, trivia. We were a three-piece rock band. It was my, um, I used to be married for a long time and not anymore. Um, it was my wife at the time and my brother on drums. So it's kind of this family unit. unit and uh, Chevelle was three brothers. So I always kind of liked covering their stuff too. I was going to say that's like family business covering family business. That's that's really cool. What is your absolute favorite part about Flint other than semi-pro and the Flint tropics? Yeah. Grit, man. Grit. You come from nothing and just get the shit beat out of you for a long time and you find some way out of that. There's not many humans on the on the planet that could stop me it's just grit that's not always the greatest thing in the world to be kind of a ornery you know ornery kid from the hood but like man it served me well so often the second part very close second was just my uh surroundings just the multicultural the multi-ethnic the um just variety that surrounded me I'm so thankful for because my mind grew up with everyone's different, but we're all the same. And so I didn't have to learn that later in life. I just grew up with it. So those are my favorite two things. Those are awesome. When you said grit, it felt like grit. Like it was the grittiest grit I've ever heard. (laughs) What about pet peeves? What is your biggest pet peeve? People saying I'm not good at blank or I could never be a blank I can't stand it. I know where it comes from. I've had it myself, so I'm not immune. But I was just telling a story earlier on a call about how many CEOs have told me, like, I'm not a creative person. Like, that's for the marketing department or whatever. And then after working with the company for six weeks, I find out they're one of the most creative problem solvers I've ever met. And I have to like point out, hey, just because you don't paint or sculpt doesn't mean that you're not a creative person. And with so much story development and video, man, people get locked in like, oh, I can't be on camera. I can't tell a great story. And it's like, stop stop that for a second and let's just give it a shot because you could be wrong this one's a sleeper but i know you're a fellow fan of naps oh man what's your nap routine uh lately over the past year it's been try and keep it between 12 and 4 and it's it's like driven by my gut so it's like what are you feeling there's sometimes where there's a call and that dictates my schedule but I've often, often talked about in multitudes of media formats that um, I knew when I went into entrepreneurship that naps are going to be a part of my entrepreneurial strategy. I'm proud of it and I stick to it every day. I'm with you. I, I took a nap right before this because I'm like, that's the best way to speak with Dan is to like <laughs> pregame nap. I love awesome. Pregame nap. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, so Dan, 
Thank you so much. Always great connecting. So cool. So glad we finally did this. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. And again, just being transparent with everything. It's the daily updates, the weekly up, everything that you share out. It's it's very, very inspiring and, and you really know your stuff. So really, really appreciate it. Where's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah, man. Well, the first thing I want to say is thank you for having me on. You are an incredible human. I hope you get told that from time to time. And you have been silently and also not silently rooting for me for years. And it does not go unnoticed. So thank you for that. Um, I try to make everything real easy for people. Hold on. I I need to cry for (laughs) a long time. No, that's that's very, very sweet. I really, really appreciate it. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, like, we missed that part. (laughs) Yeah, I try try and make it real, real easy on people. I'm the antipreneur.com and then forward slash link stack. So all my links in a stack. And I'm sure it's in the show notes and all that stuff. It's all my social, my newsletter, my YouTube channel, all the stuff there. And it's just all in one spot. So whatever your flavor is, pick your poison. Um, If you search antipreneur, you're going to find me somewhere. So those are the easiest two ways to kind of see what I'm up to. Perfect. And last thing here, anti-final thoughts or, or just final thoughts. Send us off here. It could be a quote, could be a line, however you, however you want to send us home here. You know, I, I took one book into the woods with me. I think because of the circumstances, partially because of the book, it was life altering for me. And it was Atomic Habits by James Clear. And the one thing that stuck with me after leaving the woods was just get 1% better every day. And so that's what I'm working on. I am feeling 1% better to the 1% degree. I forget how math works, but we're just going to roll with it. Thank you so much, Dan, for coming on the show, sharing your story, sharing your amazing life lessons and business tips. And thank you, Wild Listeners, for tuning in to another episode. Dan has put together a special freebie for you. So if you go to onemin.media slash storiespine, He has an awesome tool where you can work on the spine of your communication. It's awesome. It's Dan. It's awesome. It's Dan. That is the digit one, then the letters M-I-N dot M-E-D-I-A slash S-T-O-R-Y S-P-I-N-E. And I just won the spelling P. Thank you again, Dan. Wild listeners, if you want to hear more wild stories like this one, make sure to follow the Wild Business Growth Podcast on your favorite app, and tell a friend about the podcast. You can also find us on Good Pods. And for any help with podcast production, you can learn more at maxpodcasting.com. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! Bongos!